Gross Point Blank is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals in last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So if you're out in Vegas for 245 and you don't have your tickets, you know, and it's getting close to fight time and you really want to go, check out Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app on the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to Gross Point Blank. I am Josh Gross, joining you on The Athletic, a special episode of the podcast for you. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving week. Um, the Athletic staff over here, as I think all the sports verticals did, made a list of the best teams, the best players, the best fighters in our case. Of course, this is combat sports. Who are the best fighters in mixed martial arts from 2019 to 2010? It was a Really great decade if you think back on it. Uh, I'm thinking of it as the third decade of modern mixed martial arts. If you look starting in 1993 with the UFC and uh, also in Japan, Pancrase and Shudo, really sort of the formation of these leagues around the world uh, that were going to cultivate talent. And in the U.S., of course, we knew what it was. UFC 1 was a clash of styles. Think about how far the sport has come from that experiment. Uh, there's no question that that foundation that was laid then comes to bear these days. It will always inform what we think of as mixed martial arts. We will always think of as people who need to grapple, need to know how to grapple. We learned that in the very beginning of UFC 1, but the sport has come so much further than that to the point where people are learning and learned how to grapple so they don't have to. And that increased, that increased the, the style and the diversity of what's capable in a mixed martial arts fight. And that didn't just happen this decade. That's been an evolution that's been unfolding for, well, you know, over 26 years now. Uh, But, of course, there were pockets where it really, really meant a lot. You know, big shifts in how people viewed what they could do in mixed martial arts. Uh, Young people watching what fighters of their current day were doing, being inspired, feeling like, oh, you know, that's, that's a place I can start from where before they couldn't have even imagined some of the techniques and some of the ways that they would approach a mixed martial arts fight. And, that, and that's where we are now. And you think about the fighters who ended up on this list. I think for the most part, it's a testament to that kind of idea. Let me let me run down this list. What I want to do on this podcast is uh, run down the list that we voted on from 2010 to 2019 and then have a, have a discussion about how we got there, right? Um, think about was this decade really much better than the decade from 2000 to 2009. You think about some of the great fighters who fought during that period. Was the mixed martial arts that was unfolding in the last 10 years really that much better than what was happening then? How did the fighters improve technically? You know, where are we headed? So that's the idea of what I'm going to get into on this special podcast of Gross Point Blank. Look at the athletics all-decade list from 2010 to 2019, and uh, hope you uh, hope you enjoy the show. I got to say, um, doing that BMF tournament, that 32-fighter BMF tournament a few weeks ago really kind of helped me think about this because a lot of this was already in my head, thinking about fighters from different periods, some of the best fighters during that time, you know what they were doing, what the styles were like, what the competition was like. Uh, all of that sort of factored in um, as I think about this podcast and you know putting a list like this together and, and what it means. Um, let's start with the fighters themselves, okay? Um, flyweight division men's, I think most people agree, Demetrius Johnson, no question about it. 
at uh, Bantamweight 135, Dominic Cruz got our nod. Dominic uh, had a great decade, a lot of inactivity, but you know, you think about what he did. Uh, there were other contenders here, I think, a, lot, a good discussion to be had with Dominic Cruz. Uh, you know, I think uh, a, a just uh, name in that spot. Max Holloway at 145. Max has been tremendous. Uh, you'll get a lot of cases for Jose Aldo, I think, uh, is, is perhaps the guy that should have been there. I preferred Aldo, just, uh, just a hair over Holloway. Uh, but no question, Max has been amazing. And how young he was when he started in his weight class and where he is today. It's, it's been an amazing ride to, to see him. And he's really just getting in the prime of his career. Uh, lightweight over the last 10 years, you know, has anyone better, been better than Khabib? I don't, I don't think so. Khabib Nurmagomedov, unbeaten, untouched, dominant. UFC lightweight division, and I think the 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 man who owns the right to be to say in a, in you know probably the best weight class that the sport has, or at least over the last twenty years, maybe I, I think for a good stretch, um, Habib Nurmagomedov is is the best guy over the last ten for sure. GSP George St Pierre only fought in the welterweight division until the end of twenty thirteen, and then he hasn't fought there at all. He fought once at middleweight, of course, beating Michael Bisping, but. Um, you know he still gets the nod at 170. If you, if you look at some of the fighters that have also dominated during that period, tremendous talents, great results. But GSP's three years were really big during the stretch. Um, he was uh, in a lot of ways driving the sport, the biggest star uh, in, in some respects at the time. A guy that touched on uh, the the changing idea of what an octagon uh, and what a mixed martial artist looks like. Right, the sponsorships changed. The, the companies and the corporations that want to be associated with mixed martial arts changed, and, and GSP had a big hand in that. So his influence has definitely been felt this decade. I, and I don't think most, I don't think you get a lot of people disagreeing. Tyron Woodley gets a mention here, and um, uh, perhaps uh, you could argue others as well. Um, but uh, GSP gets the nod from the athletic staff. Middleweight was a good discussion. We ended up going with Michael Bisping, who GSP beat. Um, to win that title. And, and I think uh, Bisping is a guy that uh, he he deserves whatever recognition he gets. And because he gets this recognition, I don't think you can say he's undeserving. Michael, Michael Bisping had a tremendous career, right? He dedicated himself to this sport, sacrificed himself in a lot of ways to it, uh, had a lot of great results, a lot of great fights, always criminally underrated, I think, if you, if you, if you really want to look at it. And um, there was... You know, Anderson was stronger in 2000 to 2009. Anderson Silva still had some results this decade. But, you know, I don't know that he makes the cut. I argued um, that uh, Israel Adesanya might have a a case here. Um, You you look at what he's done in his career, all of it this decade, really his coming out party in the last year of the decade. Um, You know, if he is a transcendent fighter and a special fighter, I think he's someone who could have been considered for the spot. But it's it's Michael Bisping. Um, John Jones at 205. You're not going to get any argument from people that will come up with some of the uh, stuff outside the cage, some of the drug tests uh, that uh, muddied his career. Absolutely. Uh, But as a competitor, man, I don't I don't think so. I don't think there's I don't think there's a lot that gets in the way of John Jones, really. Uh, heavyweight Stipe Miocic set records in the heavyweight division for the UFC during this decade. Uh, he lost a few fights, but not many. And man, he was great, and he still is great. And he's riding high right now as the decade closes out. Uh, a decade that he basically his entire career played out. So it's, it's Stipe for us. Um, the the women we did four women's weight classes, and of course, you know, so much of this 
has changed over the last 26 years. Uh, in the beginning, there really weren't many weight classes. You, you had Shudo, which which broke up weight classes in, in, in important ways that uh, really influenced what the weight classes look like here. And uh, Pancrase is doing some of that as well. But, you know, as we think about North American uh, mixed martial arts, not, not really. Uh, it was always like, you know, 200 or 200 plus. So, you know, it was, it was that for a long time. Uh, but now we're in a spot where, uh, many weight classes uh, for women uh, would qualify in this discussion. I think we could have added 105. Um, there's some been some amazing fighters in that weight class, of course. Um, but for this period, this 2010 to 2019, we went with Joanna Jacek at, at 115. Great fighter. Uh, was dominant for long stretches, no question. Um, she dropped some, she lost some, but uh, still definitely much of a figure in the game and uh, an early pioneer as a champion in that weight class for the UFC. 125, Valentina Shevchenko. She's been absolutely great at this weight class, dominant. She's dominant right now. Uh, I don't know that there's, I don't, there's really not a case for another 125 pound woman out there to, that has done it better than Shevchenko has. And if you want to pull one fighter out of here for the decade, you know, maybe you got an argument in her if you, if you want it, just the way that she's been really handling the competition. Um, Amanda Nunes at 135. For me, you get an argument that Ronda Rousey deserves to be in this spot. Um, yes, Amanda beat her. No question about it. That was after Holly Holm beat Ronda. Uh, but the legacy that Rousey has, uh, the way that she fought, um, everything, she beat a lot of great fighters. Um, you know, I, I, I think her legacy is important enough where had we honored her, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone would have taken an issue with that. And uh, nothing against Amanda Nunes, who's been absolutely t- tremendous and a two-weight champion now and dominant. Um, but um, just just my two cents. That's that's all where I would have differed. But otherwise, I, you know, the, I think the list is tremendous. And then uh, 145, uh, Chris Cyborg for the decade. And this is a this is a fighter with a lot of longevity, and we know her dominance and everything. Uh, also comes with uh, some issues, some clouds over her career. Hard to escape that in a lot of ways, especially as we go into other years here. Um, but uh, Chris Cyborg's been been great. And again, Amanda Nunes beat her, and I don't think she's done enough at 145 in her career to say, you know, Amanda's the best featherweight of the decade. So just the way it works out, uh, lots of talent here. And, you know, how did, how did we get here, really? Because so much has changed over this decade. We're talking about women in a big way. That didn't really exist, not in the UFC in the previous decade, although women certainly fought. Of course, we saw it on CBS and Pro Elite. Um, Strike Force embraced it. Uh, there was other uh, women fighting around the world. Japan, of course, it was heavily influenced. And, you know, we had had these periods wherever the sport was. Uh, fighters were seeking to compete against the best. And that was really the driving factor for how people got better, how they wanted to improve. You know, many things, many evolutions along the way, right? Was this decade really better than the last ones? I mean, I... I don't. I don't know if if you really want to look at the last decade. This is a list that I pulled up. I think in some way classes, no, it wasn't better. In others, yes, it was. You can see where evolutions took place and where growth took place. Um, no, no question about it. And if you go all the way back to the first decade, absolutely. There's you know there's some weight classes that I have blank. I, I can't find women at 115 or 125 to put an all decade team from 93 to 99, really. And I had to stretch hard to find 35 and 45, you know? Um, So, you know, all this sort of uh, movement and evolution 
you know, it, it wasn't just Rousey, and it just wasn't Gina Carano, and it wasn't just Cyborg, and, and in the men, that this goes the same. You know, that there's been pioneers in uh, how this sport looks from both genders, un- unquestionably. Uh, I think uh, if you really want to get down to it, uh, you know, we're getting into a period, uh, a very interesting period. I-, I-, I tend to think that on the evolutionary scale of, of mixed martial arts, you know, we're we're getting into a stretch that feels like more the sweet science style of MMA is going to come to bear, right? That for the longest time, you know, the, the people talked about the difference between boxing and mixed martial arts from a technical standpoint as boxing is very specific. So because it's so specific, it has to be refined in a way. And the, the truly refined fighters are the ones that are going to dominate. And they're the ones that are going to win the most and, and be the richest and be the most famous, right? And, and I think in mixed martial arts, we've come to the point in our evolutionary scale where we're going to start seeing that. We've seen some of it, but really in a, in a big way where everyone knows everything, right? Uh, we've, we've understood that. We've understood that since 93 to 99. I mean, these people taught us that you need these skills to be a proper mixed style fighter, okay? Um, I... I Let's let's go through this list. Ninety three to ninety nine. This is what happens: style versus style, right? Grappling is the king. The wrestlers are the kings of the grapplers. We learn that. And then, how do you beat them? How do you stop these wrestlers? Well, you learn just enough to keep it on your feet or do something that they're not familiar with, right? Marie Smith taught us that. Marie Smith showed us that you don't have to be a dominant wrestler to win a mixed martial arts fight at the highest level at heavyweight. You can neutralize wrestlers with an amazing half guard. He, he showed that evolution, the half guard, right? Uh, how, how do you keep these guys at bay if they do get you down and then better yet stop their takedowns this is the beginning of sprawl and brawl right this, this idea that you this evolutionary period totally changed what mixed martial arts looked like and what people thought of mixed martial arts most smith went out and beat conan silvera and, and mark coleman and changed the the just the imagination of what people thought was possible and he was not the only one i mean there was great fighters who did this igor volchanchin pete williams uh, there was a lot of great fighters who um, unquestionably picked up the idea. It's like, if I can prevent this and do this, you know, we've got a great chance to win, even though wrestlers just seem so dominant. And, and these are the kinds of fighters that stick out to me in this decade as the best from 93 to 99. Uh, again, some of these weight classes are real thin. And understand from 93 to 99, there really was no flyweight division. It didn't start in a big way until Shudo adopted it. I think in 2003 it was. Um, but there were fighters that size competing. And although he was very, very young in his career, um, I think Mamoru Yamaguchi was the guy who just sort of stood out to me. Um, he beat who otherwise would have been the best of the decade in Jin Akimoto. And and really, Yamaguchi was the guy who's propelled into the next decade, motivated and was dominant and was fun to watch and created a fun period inside Shudo in this weight class, including one of the best rivalries uh, in that weight class's history. And, and I'll get into that as we get into the other decade. But, you know, these Japanese Shudo fighters, Brazilian Shudo fighters in the lower weight classes had a big impact in this decade. At 135, I have Noya Umatsu, who was a great fighter, and we saw him later in his career come to North America and not have a lot of success. Uh, but during his his dominant period, this you know pre two thousand period, he was an excellent excellent fighter, and I, you'd be hard pressed to find a better bantamweight in the world. One forty five again. I'm going to go to Shudo. If if you don't really know Shudo and you haven't uh, watched too much Shudo over the years, 
it's amazing to go back and watch this period. Go go check some of these, like the 10th anniversary Shudo show. If you've never seen Shudo, just go watch that show. And you realize that amazing mixed martial arts was happening in lower weight classes in Japan way before here. And, and it still holds up. It still holds up. You know, guys like Alexander Franco Nagara, they still hold up, right? And I got him at 145. And then Kaluno to me, is the best lightweight of this of this decade, 93 to 99, right? Um, some amazing fights, amazing results. And remember where these results put these fighters later on. Like Uno, because of this period, had a had a you know great chance inside the UFC, and and his the the markers that he laid down from ninety three to ninety nine propelled him to have a big early run in the UFC's lightweight division, get chances you know to win championship belts, all of that, and that's what happened uh, during this time period, and that's why he deserves to sort of be mentioned with the rest of these guys, I think. Um, One seventy Pat Miletic, Miletic was a um, seminal fighter in this sport. Uh, certainly was, and, and someone who thought about mixed martial arts in a professional manner, a way that uh, I treat it like a sport. He got the striking and the wrestling. He got the submission aspect of it, and he put together one of the first early camps to really get better. You know, we're not quite we're not quite at the period where you're starting to see these gyms rise, but it's the early yeast of that. And you know, 2000, 2009 is really where you see these super gyms emerge and uh, a lot of the evolution of what we think of as mixed martial arts today, you know, really congeal. But guys like Militic were doing it during this time period. And it was, um, I think, you know, critical to how uh, future generations thought about what the sport could look like. I, I put the next man at 185 pounds. Um, he could have been, I guess, a 205. But Kazushi Sakuraba uh, was uh, an incredible fighter. And he was someone who changed how a lot of North American fight fans felt about Japanese fighters, especially if you weren't really watching Shudo. Uh, and it wasn't just because of what he did in Pride. Everybody, you know, his early success and like his first few fights were in the UFC in a tournament. And some legitimate fights. I mean, tough guys. And all the drama around that night was incredible. And it sort of set up this story arc of Kazushi Sakuraba uh, as, as a great fighter. And, uh, you know, th- this is, this is again, 93 to 99. But the next year, 2000, he's in that tournament, right? And he does that fight with Hoist. And he's, he's beating Henzo Gracie. And he's going uh, another 15 with Igor Vovchanchin. And, you know, he's doing all these things, Sakuraba. He's a really important fighter. Uh, deserves to be mentioned of an all-decade squad, I think, uh, no doubt about it. 205, Frank Shamrock. Um, he technically really fought like at 199. That was as big as he was. You probably even could have put him at 85 if you wanted to, but I don't think that's where he was. Uh, Frank was a super important fighter, like a Mo Smith, um, but um, you know appeared dominant and just destroyed people in that decade. And uh, tons of fights, really important legacy, uh, absolutely deserves to be on this list. Heavyweight, I went back and forth because obviously heavyweight is where this thing started, right? I mean, um, heavyweight mixed martial arts. There was no, no. It was open, open weight class. Anything possible in the UFC. And uh, the first one that sort of stood out to me is super important. That uh, I think showed when there, when it was Valley Tudo, and anything kind of went. Uh, this was the guy who was going to whoop your ass. And that was Mark Coleman. And, you know, Coleman had a bit of a rough stretch towards the end there, 99. But because he came around and won the Pride Grand Prix in 2000, you can, you know, sort of uh, sort of let it go, dismiss it. Um, there were other 
great heavyweights during this period deserve to be mentioned here, but if I'm going to pick one, uh, heavyweight of the decade from 93 to 99, uh, to me it's the hammer, Mark Coleman. I, I mentioned two female fighters. Uh, I couldn't do 115, 125, so I did 135. Jennifer Howe, you know, if you remember her name, Jennifer Howe, uh, was with uh, Jeremy Horn, one of the uh, Monty Cox managed fighters. Uh, a great early stretch here. She ended up having a really quality career and, and almost leaving the sport too early. Uh, but at 135, Jennifer Howe. And I, I really went out on a, uh, uh, a limb here with 145. If you remember Becky Levi, she's a fighter and a name and someone that a lot of women didn't want to fight. And she was a lot bigger than 145. Um, but if you can do 145 plus, because really that's that's where it was. And, you know, this is this was the, the beginning stages. This is where the foundation was laid. Uh, and then you get into the evolution, right? So the, everybody knows the blueprint. Everybody knows what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to know to become a proper mixed style fighter. You know, you, a, a mixed martial artist, what they started calling them. Um, and, and what happens there, right? So everyone knows everything. So the best athletes start to come to the forefront. You know, the great athletes already made a dent, but the ones that really considered what they did, sport, professional sport, handled their business that way, relied on the skills that they were learning and uh, getting in the right shape and treating it like a pro career. I mean, really, this was the period of the emergence of the professional mixed martial artist, 2000 to 2009. Um, you know, we, we see pride folding into the UFC. We see the WFA folding into UFC. You're seeing these fighters compete against one another who hadn't had a chance to before. That that drives innovation. That's good for competition. That's good thing for the growth of mixed martial arts. I, I think if you're picking one out of this period, who's the who's the best or sort of like the ideal of what we're talking about? George St. Pierre is probably the guy, right? And amazing fighters this decade. Fedor Emelianenko, Shogun Hua, Anderson Silva was obviously a revelation. But don't forget guys like Miguel Torres at 135 I have and uh, Shinichi BJ Kojima at 125 an excellent fighter who probably didn't show as much as he could he had a torn ACL in, like towards the middle of his career uh, but he was awesome at certain points at, at 125 uh, Jose Aldo at 145 for me is the guy um, he, he as far as I'm concerned could be a two decade uh, fighter I only had one that's a two decade fighter I'll mention that in a, in a second here um, BJ Penn at 55. I thought BJ Penn at 55 from 2000 to 2009 was the best lightweight there was. When he fought at lightweight, he didn't always win. He fell against Jens Pulver, but he wasn't ready for that fight. When he was better prepared for that kind of fight, that kind of moment, he, he did win the belt and he did retain the belt. And BJ, you know, this when BJ was serious, this was 2000 to 2009. We saw serious BJ at one... 55 in the latter stat, uh, stage of the decade, and, and he was he was great. He was just great. I mentioned GSP at 170, Anderson Silva at 85. I had Shogun at 205. Could have gone a bunch of directions here. Vanderlei Silva, Chuck Liddell. Um, you know, you really uh, had a few options uh, if you wanted to pick it. Shogun to me, the longevity, the dominance in one year. Uh, he's he was the best light heavyweight that I think from top to bottom that we saw over that stretch. Fedor. You know, no argument, no question about it. From 2000 to 2009 was the man. Uh, and then the women. There were great women fighters here. Not the depth that we see now, especially not the lower weight classes, uh, but some some interesting names. I mean, everybody talks about Megumi Fuji, 115, also fought at 105. 
she she's an all decade fighter and uh you know a little ahead of her time it seems like uh another fighter who doesn't get a lot of mention uh, you know you uh yuka tsuji 125 tremendous record longevity you know this is a weight class now that's featuring again valentina shevchenko is like what a flyweight woman looks like but tsuji was not a walkover fighter this was this was a good competitor 135 a name a lot of people know tara la rosa she was great from 2000 to 2009. Look at her record. I think it was 15 and one, and she beat the best fighters at that weight class. Uh, held a title with Bodog. Tara Larosa made her name during this period, and and really was a tremendous fighter over this decade. And then the only fighter who features twice for me over the last three decades, any anyone that showed up more than once, Chris Cyborg, was great 2000 to 2009. She closed out 2009, smashing Gina Carano. And uh, I, I think, you know, her her presence on both lists shows that there is a connection, right? That these fighters from 2000 to 2009, I, I don't think there's any doubt, compete with the fighters that you have from 2010 to 2019 and could very well win those fights. You know, I, to me, there's no, no question about it. Maybe some hedging there from the 93 to 99 fighters, although I think all those fighters in their own way can compete against anyone of any decade. But definitely from 2000 to 2009, you know, you're you're talking about uh, fighters who treat this as a full time job. This is they're making good money. This is a sport being contested at the highest level, uh, and, and that's basically carried over from 2000 2009 to 2010 2019, which is the decade that we are just wrapping up now. What what is where are we headed? I sort of referenced this before, but 2020 and beyond, you know, I I think it's more refinement. Uh, more innovation at, at a microscopic level, right? It's it's more it's more precise, which is why I think the sweet science emerges of mixed martial arts. The, you know, it's some of this discussion I see going around about uh, mixed martial arts was so better when it was so much better when it was you know another time it was more romantic. No, mixed martial arts has always been great. It's always a sport that's featured advancements and growth, and it continues to. Uh, but we're getting into the real finite details of that, and because of that. The professionalism, the money, the athleticism that we're seeing now, the technique that we're seeing now, the wisdom that these fighters coming up are going to have from the early stages of their career, so much greater than what fighters of previous decades had. And I think I think we're going to really get into some tremendous mixed martial arts. I hope I'm around a decade from now to discuss who the best was, uh, what they looked like, what they did, where the sport went. Um, most Mostly, I, I think we'll just see can continued growth in terms of what is the best mixed martial artist look like and clearly that person's the best fighter on the planet and the, you know the one thing that i really love about mixed martial arts wrapping up here is that we have seen over the last quarter century the perception of what the best fighter looks like is completely shifted completely altered and we've seen that evolution we talked about that evolution on this show and on this podcast and uh you know it's it's fun it's fun to have seen that I think if you're a fan of the sport, you should feel really lucky that you caught on to this sport, even if it started in 2010 or you were, a, you know, 20, if Conor McGregor brought you into this sport. Um, it's still early enough stages where we're seeing advancements, growth, evolution, and uh, people are thinking about it in those ways. It's exciting. Uh, hope you enjoyed this special edition of Gross Point Blank on The Athletic. Of course, you can get this podcast wherever you do listen to podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts included. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor, subscribe, rate, review. Really appreciate you doing that. And check out all the all-decade content on The Athletic. 
Appreciate you taking the time to listen. I am Josh Gross. This has been Gross Point Blank.